Hello, I am Larry Chao, Content Director of CFA Institute. The Chinese economy has been the focus of many global investors for some time now, given the slowing growth in China. Today, we have Hong Hao, Chief Strategist of Bocom International. He is a well-recognized China economist among the investors. I would like to discuss with him some of these issues. Welcome. Thank you. So uh, let's start with a big picture. So what do you think of the, uh, the Chinese economy right now, the general health? Um, I think it's slowing down, but I think it's um, gradually it's being accepted by the investment community. Um, so I think once it's set in expectation, um, and once we have a realistic of, uh, expectation of long-term growth, then I think um, people would gradually buy into the idea of economic reform uh, and also probably uh, slowing long-term growth prospects. I think we um, used to be an investment growth-driven economy. Um, I think in, uh, in the past two decades, um, investment growth has consists more than 50% of GDP growth. Uh, but now, I think going into since 2016, we've seen um, investment return in the real economy has been declining. And as a result, private enterprises are more and more reluctant to invest or reinvest in the real economy. And therefore, we've seen uh, investment growth come down to below 10% level uh, for the past couple of months now. Uh, so going forward, I wouldn't be su too surprised to see uh, investment growth continue to stay low. Um, and I think you know, growth driver has to come from somewhere else. Mm. What about some of the fundamental factor that's driving this slowing in, in the investment that grows? You know, what, what kind of you know, slow down growth, the investments? Um, I think from macro level, it's probably um, uh, because of the principle of economics. I mean, for years, we've been reinvesting in this real economy. We've been building railroads, infrastructure, and real estate buildings. And now, I think going in, you know, gradually we realize that um, this, there is only that much investment you can make uh, in this economy. Uh, and therefore, you know, with uh, gradually declining investment return, um, private enterprise has been reluctant to, uh, to continue to, to invest. And for example, I'll give you an example. You know, in the first half of this year, um, real estate sales has gone through the roof and together with uh, property prices. Uh, but then the real estate uh, developers have not been very active uh, in reinvesting uh, in building houses. And as a result, you know, um, property investment growth has been very low single digit. Um, and that is never seen before. Um, so, and I think property sector has been one of the highest growth, highest return area for, uh, for China for, for many years now. Um, so I think starting this year, people gradually realize that there isn't, or probably the secular cycle on Chinese property has turned. Uh, it's harder to make money. And I think now uh, developers are focusing on getting rid of inventory uh, and probably recycling cash. That's a very interesting perspective. Mm. I think global investors have heard a lot of horror stories about the, the Chinese real estate market, mm -hmm. the ghost cities and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
and people have generally uh, been uh, very surprised by the, the fact that uh, the, you know, the real estate prices can go to such high levels in China. Uh, and you've highlighted some of the reasons why it's slowing down. Uh, what are some of the more fundamental factors maybe behind this uh, real estate slowdown? Mm, I think we, we still have um, 5 billion square meters of real estate um, being built um, right now and then another 5 billion on the way. Uh, so that is horrifying, to be and honest. Yeah, I think you know once once you sold out that you know five billion square meters of real estate, then I think home home ownership in this country will saturate will be saturated very quickly. Uh, then there's another five billion on the way, right? So um, there's just too much uh, inventory already. Um, so I think longer term. Um, the slowdown come from uh, an aging population as well. You know, besides the shorter term investment growth problem, uh, I think aging aging population is gradually being recognized. And I think uh, since last year, uh, we abolished the one child policy, mm -hmm. um, but then the uh, execution of this ab abolition of this policy hasn't been exactly up to date. Uh, it's it's progressing very slowly. And I think even if you immediately push out this policy to all parts of China, um, I think the challenge is that it might be a little too late um, to sort of, you know, regenerate population growth. So in this environment, I think we probably in the coming years will have to face an older population with declining productivity growth. So demographics indeed, I think, is really one of the most predictable factors in economics. And it is one of the things that are probably the hardest to revert because it's take a long time That's to right. actually uh, get things to, to change in, in terms of demographic structure and everything. So if that's behind this real estate uh, bubble, if you call it that way, uh, it's really very difficult to see uh, any, any change in that situation very soon, I guess. For now, yeah, for now it's, it's difficult. And I think that's a dilemma that we have to face. And so um, this year, in order to stabilize growth, you know, we've done a lot of in infrastructure investment. Mm -hmm. As you know, these infrastructure investments are of little cash flow, uh, longer time horizon, and probably, you know, because of the public interest, you know, it's harder to make money. Um, so that is the dilemma that we have to face. So supply-side reforms, that is the buzzword in China for some time now, and maybe you can share a perspective with us. How is that uh, helping in the current situation? Mm, supply side reform uh, is a nice change this year, uh, well, since, uh, since last year. Um, I think uh, historically the Chinese economic management model uh, has been mostly driven by demand, you know, because in, in the short term, supply, the supply curve is difficult to move, but then the demand curve can be moved by spurring, giving uh, consumers uh, bits and pieces of incentives. And therefore, you know, uh, in a short time, uh, if you want to prop up economic growth, demand, the demand curve is much easier to manipulate. Now this year, I think since last year, we have adopted a longer term perspective in economic management. Uh, at the same time, when we are mani managing demand slowdown, uh, we are trying to shrink supply. We're trying to get rid of excess, event, uh, excess capacity. And also, um, the way we try to get rid of it um, is slightly different as well. So we try to focus on those uh, older industries that have pollution problems. 
and we raise the pollution standard, and we we impose very strict pollution standard with very high penalties. And therefore, you know, some of the older companies, you know, in order to avoid being punished, uh, avoid paying the penalty, or avoid reinvesting huge amount of money in environmental protection equipment, they effectively gone out of business, stop producing. And so at the same time we were shrinking production capacity, we have bluer sky as well. Uh, so it's nice for change. I mean, nowadays, you know, if you go to Beijing and Shanghai, uh, you do see more blue sky days um, uh, these, these days. So it's nice for change. Uh, we're heading towards the right direction. But um, I think supply side reform uh, would take some time to generate the effect that we really want to see. Besides the blue sky, probably want to get rid of you know, 20, 30% of steel production capacity, cement capacity, coal production capacity, et cetera, et cetera. So it would take some time. Thank you very much for sharing your insights with us. Thank you. And thank you all for watching. Copyright 2016 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.